special guest in-house um uh you're this is the everyday rich podcast uh welcome back if it's your second time or multiple times appreciate for joining um if you're new to this uh your everyday rich podcast is a podcast about uh living room conversations surrounding financial literacy and topics that you probably have with yourself or other people inside your house but not sure if you're not sure if these topics happen outside of that but i know that maybe you've brought it up and you're concerned and the idea is to empower you with um lessons and tips that people have gone through who are trying to build their everyday rich so that they can live free of financial issues but also build build a life that they really want to and part of that obviously re revolves around uh, some money, wealth, but things outside of that as well. So um, we will introduce our guest very shortly. He's staring at me right here, looking at me. But uh, this is our very first in-person podcast. Um, but like all our other podcasts, um, we like to highlight small businesses. And the small business I'm going to highlight again is uh, Plantwell Inc., who is our very our good friends. Uh, Plantwell Inc. is a uh, grow store uh, for all your growing needs. So fertilizer, all that stuff, all, all the nutrients for grow enthusiasts, uh, whether you're your grass, your plants, uh, or your other greenery that is uh, consumed. Um, go check them out, Plantwell Inc., our good friends. Uh, ask for Dennis, he's my man. Um, but today... We have a very special guest in house. His name is Ron Esteban, and Ron, ha I met Ron a few years ago through a real estate network, but also turned into a trading network, so stock trading network, and this big rabbit hole that we've both been down. And I've been fortunate enough to uh, interact with Ron a lot and see his growth as a trader and a stock investor now. Um, to really kind of where he started uh, his journey only a few years ago. So part of what I want, we wanted to, we're chatting about bringing Ron on is because he's got a really unique story about his, his, pro his, his journey into building kind of his financial, his financial, uh, financial journey and that whole evolution of really kind of how he's living his everyday rich, how he's sculpting it because you know, Ron is a big family guy and is a teacher. We'll get him <laughs> we'll get into it. Um and let him explain his story, but let me give some com high high points here. Um Jen is not here, so anyone audio listening, Jen will is not here. Uh because we don't have a third mic set up yet. We haven't figured that out. So if anyone knows how to do that, <laughs> help me out. <laughs> but so Ron's uh Ron kicked Jen out here. Um, um, so, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce you. Welcome, special guest, Ron Esteban. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for uh, listening to that 
very, very horrible introduction there. <laughs> I didn't have ChatGPT make it up for me, so I had to make it up on the fly. <laughs> well, I started paying attention when you started talking about fertilizer and lawns and so on. So Ooh, yeah, that's my that has been my rabbit hole these last few months. And this is the funny thing where when you <laughs> when you talk to people, meet people, like you you find out that they kind of like these small little like these things that you would think no one else enjoys. And it was funny when we were, we found out that like you were doing lawn maintenance and all that stuff. There was this popular saying that someone told me it was like, as you get as you go through your life and your journey, like try to outsource all these low low value activities, right? This whole thing about outsourcing everything of your life, where I realized it's like you're you almost you outsource all the fun and some of the enjoyment that some people don't see it as fun, but it might be for you. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why? Okay, I'm, I'm just going to get down. <laughs> How did you get down this? Like, With, with the lawn and yeah. fertilizer and yeah. so on? Uh, well, it, it really started last summer when uh, we had a pool installed, and then our front grass took a beating because I couldn't really water it or take care of it as much as – because, you know, the bulldozer – sorry, the uh, bobcat would go back and forth. And by the end of the summer, we just had a, a grass filled with – dandelions and crabgrass the day it really hit me was uh, and i said never again was um literally a year ago almost to the day uh we were getting ready for our, our daughter's first birthday party and this was the first time we had um, family and friends over to celebrate because we just moved in several months earlier and i spent literally a half a day pinging out all the dandelions <laughs> The day before. And the day of the birthday party, we woke up. Well, I woke up and I was, you know, feeling good about how the day was going to go. And I swear they multiplied three times over that morning, that that 24 hour period when I woke up and it just it was all over again. Oh, and I was man. like, so I spent a couple hours trying to get as much and I mowed the grass and tried to. But they just kept coming back. It was like the night. It was basically a night and day situation from last year to now where I don't have to deal with that, but it, it was horrible. And I told Ashley, my wife, I said, I'm never going through that again. That's <laughs> like half a day of my life wasted for no reason. So through necessity uh, of that, it, you became a lawn care enthusiast. I did. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to my wife and pretty much all the neighbors that walk across, they see me out on my lawn pretty much every day for a couple hours at a time, you know, leveling it, mowing it, fertilizing it, yeah. you know, um, overseeding it uh, these last few months. So I got to know my neighbors really yeah, yeah. well. Um, but also it, 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 it provided a sort of like um, a mental break from the day, you know, like when we when we talk about, you know, full time jobs, yeah. Uh, these side hustles, family, different types of responsibilities. That's sort of my my happy place. Mm -hmm. I could just manually work and not think about too much about what's going on outside of that, you know, 2,500 square feet of grass that I'm taking care of at that yeah. moment. Yeah, and that I think that's important because, like, you're um, – you know, we live in a society where it's, it's very go, go, go mm -hmm. with your full time, especially with young families like yeah. yourself. And finding this downtime becomes tough because then yeah. we're, we're like pulled so many directions like, well, right. do I watch Netflix? Do I scroll on my phone? Right. Do I read? Do I whatever? Right. And you've, you found something that 
it is a stress relief. Right. And, and it's and it's something that I actually enjoy because one, you're you know you're outside, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting fresh air compared to, you know, if you were inside doing you know whatever Netflix, yeah. like you mentioned. Uh, but it's also like it, it gives me a purpose during that two you know one or two hours that I'm out there. Kind of like when I was coaching, I you know I used to coach amateur sports and um, at a high level, and you know those one or two hours. I put myself mentally and physically in that space so I can focus on those kids that I was coaching or the games that I was coaching uh, in. And I just treated it the same way. Like I've got an hour of time here. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to take care of. Anything that was bothering me or something that was on my plate that I had to worry about or take care of, I was going to do it after that one hour of a lot of time I put towards the lawn. And it gave me a sense of, um, you know, accountability because I, much like anything else, like, the, you know, we're going to talk about these side hustles um, in real estate and stock trading and, and so forth. It really provided me an opportunity to say, okay, I've got an hour to do this, an hour to do that. And it really gave my day a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And I wake up every morning with a sense of purpose is this is what I got to do. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, it, it it really helps when you when you kind of try to prioritize that and really figure out like okay well this is this is what I need to spend my time with mm-hmm. right and we were mentioning like before we kind of go down the rabbit hole of so all these things right <laughs> like so can you tell can you tell the five people that listen to this <laughs> podcast so Ron like obviously we we established you're a family guy you have kids um what do you, what's your nine like what's your nine to five what do you do um. Well, I'm an educator, yep. uh, a teacher in uh, the secondary uh, panel uh, of the Halton Catholic District School Board. Um, I actually got my 20-year certificate <laughs> about two weeks ago or a week ago. So I've been in it for a while, and those, those 20 years just flew by so quickly. So that's my, my 9 to 5 uh, job. How is it possible you've been working for 20 years? Because you look like... 29. So. Oh my God, I do not look close <laughs> like 29. <laughs> Maybe if I was 50 pounds lighter, okay. <laughs> I'd be tw- I'd look a little bit younger. Well, well, Ron has the Ron has the attitude and personality of like a 15 year old, very young. So like that's that's the that's the energy yeah. you have to carry on with you, regardless of your age. So anyway, that's a side sidebar. But <laughs> okay, cool. That's so we're gonna say educator, teacher. You have teaching background experience. Yep. So. Yep. I, I would assume that that comes with a pretty pretty consistent uh, um, schedule, yep. I would say. Yep. Um, and there's obviously a lot of benefits, including like pension, mm-hmm. like if you're a teacher. Then growing up, um, you, were your parents uh, immigrated here to Canada from the Philippines? Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yep. All right. So you grew up in an immigrant family like myself. Um were your parents teachers as well, or like? No, they they were. My dad worked at Ford for over thirty years and retired there about ten years nice. ago. So okay. that he, like, I guess when he got here, he worked some odd jobs before he got on to with Ford. And my mom worked a, a number of um, clerical work, yeah. uh, you know, in in the office type of uh, yeah. uh, work that she could get yeah. over the years when she wasn't raising kids yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Okay. All right, so then you, you have brothers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, gr- 
growing up in this kind of household, I mean, like any immigrant family, mo- I, I'd imagine money's tight, right? Mm-hmm. Like, did oh you, yeah. Were you, did you grow up wealthy? One hundred percent, no. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have not interviewed anyone that grew up around money yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, money was definitely a topic where. It was even a stress on uh, uh, between my parents and with us. Like we could sense that stress because, yeah. you know, obviously my dad worked shift work and my mom w- would work whenever, um, you know, we were older. Yeah. Uh, and she didn't have to depend on. Uh, sorry, we didn't have to depend on her as much. Um, so we could sense that there was a lot of work shift, uh, working and shifts and so on. And that when it came to, you know, luxury items like vacations or, you know, just higher end items in the house like furniture or whatnot, Mm. um, we'd have that. (laughs) It was very much, uh, you know, uh, if we need it, we'll get it. If we don't, we ain't touching it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I mean, Filipino uh, family. Did you wrap your furniture in plastic, the couches? Fortunately, we didn't have to get to that (laughs) point. Uh, My mom and dad early on establish uh, fear in us okay. to not eat on the couch or anything <laughs> that would get stained pretty quickly. Um, but we, I, I mean, reality was, yeah. is that, you know, we would, we had an orderly household mm-hmm. and, um, you know, if we could avoid damaging anything or yeah. breaking anything, we did at all costs. Yeah. Um, yeah. It gets scary when they, in, in they employ that fear, right? Instead yeah. Of fear. It's yeah. like, no, like, yeah. don't touch anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like what we do now with our kids. Like, get off, stop it. Yeah. And I, I guess that's why we spent so much time outside. Fair <laughs> enough. We would be at other people's places. We bike down the road yeah. to the park or, you know, we get jobs early on. It was like we weren't in the house very often to, yeah. to damage it as much. But, you know, there are occasional times we would. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's cool. Okay. So then, like, growing up around that <clears> – <throat> It obviously shapes you somehow. It mm-hmm. shapes us, um, depending on obviously the environment we grew up around. Yeah. So if money was obviously tight, just like it was in my family. Then growing up, do you feel like did you have these conversations at home about money or anything like that, or was it kind of like get a good job, like educate, get a stable job, work that job, and you'll be fine, kind of thing? Is was that the message that you kind of heard at home? Honestly, when growing up, the only thing that was reiterated to myself and my brothers were save your money, mm. save your money. Don't spend it. Save your money. Yeah. You know, there was no talk about, you know, what kind of op- job opportunities were out there that you could, you know, work towards. It was more like just get a job, save your money. Yeah. Um, other words like investments or compounding or anything that, you know, I'm doing now, was rarely talked about if not if talked about at all yeah right so it was pretty much just a save your money type of household yeah it sounds very common that that was very similar to to my family yeah and my relatives friends like the word save is almost it's part of immigrant culture it's religious in our family right like it's saving is a religion in our family and we listened to our parents, mostly my mom, because she was the saver in the family. Okay. Um, and we saw how hard she worked to save the money, yeah. her money, to put us towards, you know, post-secondary educations and other things that we needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then at some point, you know, we go through this, this whole aspect of working, you get a job, mm-hmm. and then you're out of school now. And 
you go down the rabbit hole of becoming a teacher, mm-hmm. an educator. Yeah. Um, Ron, you mentioned you also coach as well. We'll get into that as well. <coughs> but teaching. So then you work a few years, then 20 years passes, of like, again, <laughs> yeah. congratulations. Yeah. Or you have a good pension. Like, yeah. we know I had a – my aunt was a teacher as well. Um, I have cousins that are teachers. We, we know lots of teacher mm-hmm. friends. Yep. Good pension. Yeah. Like, one of the best in the Ontario uh, – Yeah. Gold standard, some would say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then, you know, I would I would beg to even challenge, but like, okay, well, if I'm making such good pension, why, why did you – what happened at some point? Did you start saying – like, asking these questions about, like, well, I think I'm saving enough, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not enough. Like, what mm-hmm. kind of what sparked that? There was a couple of early moments in my career that led me to believe that, you know, uh, there was more than just saving my money. Again, I, I never explored, um, you know, investing my money until I got into real estate. Okay. And before I got into real estate, there were moments where I remember one moment early in my career, maybe my first or second year, I sat down with some some OGs in, in our school and they co- uh, they just basically said like one you don't need your rsp you don't need to contribute into that because you're just going to get taxed on it later in life when you get a pension so they basically gave me a crash course in financial literacy as yeah. a teacher yeah that was one thing and then another thing was there was you know um conversations about the pension being able to pay its its members 20 30 40 50 years from now and at that time, you know, it, it, it was really good, but mm-hmm. like they made some bigger moves back then that really got it to the gold standard that we know know it as today. Right. Um, and then you talk to a couple other people and, you know, they're doing side hustles themselves, whether it's, uh, you know, they're selling makeup or beauty items or, you know, I, I remember one teacher was renting out their basement to to math students who were nurses and so on and it was just like oh like there's more to teaching other than just like more to making money outside of teaching and you know i've always felt like i had the sort of the entrepreneurial spirit right like i can make something out of nothing or i can do something more than what my job was from the nine to five and i can hustle that way um, and so all those little things led me to my, my first investment property. And that's what really got me thinking that, you know, my pension as great as it, as it's going to be when I retire, um, I always knew that I kind of needed more mm-hmm. because I had some ambitions of what I wanted my retirement years to look like my post teaching years to look like, yeah. and even during my teaching years, how I wanted it to look like, right? So, and as much as, you know, uh, I loved the work that I was doing and it was, you know, my job was paying for all the things that I needed, I I knew I I needed to sleep at night knowing my dollar was working hard for me. That was the one thing that really, you know, uh, kept me up at night because I'm like, well, I'm working every hour to get, a salary but that dollar that I'm earning just goes into the bank mm-hmm. and it earns you know measly half a percent from the banks if yeah. you keep it in there for you know 12 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that you know when I heard the concept like 
have your doll your your money working for you while you're sleeping sort of led me to this rabbit hole of investment opportunities and that led me to real estate as the first step into that uh, realm of investment all right we're gonna we're gonna go down this rabbit hole yeah it's like this concept that ron mentioned where the money you make has if you're not making money while you're sleeping you're gonna be working until you die yep and that concept never held true until recently like obviously for for me the last few years has been really amped up Mm -hmm. but similar to you like sometime down the road when you're working and you kind of go through this and you realize you're like is it really just all about working and yeah. and doing this? Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like it's right. Even though we grew up, it seemed normal because our parents did it. Yeah, right? absolutely. Did it. My, my mom would work uh, all the way in Markham from Oakville, and she'd take the bus. Wow. Not the GO train, like the city bus. And it would take her two hours each way because she wanted to save a few bucks at the end of the day. Right. And I remember picking her up late at night, ten o'clock, uh, at you know on the border of Mississauga, Oakville, because that's where the bus would drop her off, and it's, we just pick her up five minutes away. And I just remember, I'm like, she's working so hard to save a few bucks, yeah. and when she would go to sleep, those few bucks would go to sleep with her. Yeah, right. Like she would, it would rest in her bank account. It wouldn't work for her. And I remember those days where my dad worked twelve hour shifts nights and days, and that was tough because I knew how difficult they lived um working, and I didn't want to have that mm-hmm. for myself, right let alone you know when I have a family one day so I knew i just i i I had to find a better way of using my time wisely where I wasn't working hours to make money yeah. right i could work hours to make money and then use that money so it could work hours for me yeah right like it's my employees like yeah. that loony that i just earned i wanted it to make toonies yeah. <laughs> yeah. and those toonies to multiply into 50 dollars bills yeah. <laughs> and so without me telling it what to do yeah. right it's just going to do its work it's going to do its thing and I, and you know early on in life you know saving was the big thing but i also knew I also had a, a vision of what my lifestyle would look like, mm-hmm. even as a teacher, even as when I retire, what it would look like. Sort of my vision board, basically. Yeah. So that's like this is this is really important as well to highlight. Like Ron is painting his everyday rich, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we not when we're kind of going through the motions, it may not seem like we're actually drawing, like sketching out the canvas but we really are filling it out. And as yeah. you kind of go through it, you start filling out more detail. And it sounds like you already started sketching that overall, yeah. like that, what you wanted. So at some point you're like, hey, I need my money to go find more money soldiers and bring back more soldiers. Yeah. Then you leads you down to this real estate yeah. rabbit hole as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah. When did you start getting into real estate and h- how was that? Like, how did you f- stumble into real estate? Because it's, it's a big thing to just say, oh, I'm going to go buy some houses. Well, I think it was... One, I, I was at the time I was renewing my my first home, my okay. primary home, yep. and uh, I remember the first few years I struggled. I didn't struggle, but I had to work a side job. Mm. I worked at Home Outfitters on top of my teaching job in, in the evenings and weekends to pay the mortgage because um, the house was under just me. 
And, uh, you know, four or five years later, it was time to renew, and the, the house went up in value. And, you know, when I was speaking to the, the bank officer, mor- uh, the mortgage person, uh, they said that uh, you can do a couple things. One, you can continue paying your thing, your mortgage uh, as is. Uh, you could take a line of equity, which is a line of credit, out um, and use that money towards whatever you did. And I remember at the time I was talking to a, a banker who was fairly young, uh, and I said to him, once I realized this huge, like six-number fi- figure uh, in line of credit I could take out, I said, what do people do with this money? Yeah. And he says, well, you know, they go on vacations, they buy cars. And I'm like, I don't want to go on vacation. I need to work more. <laughs> I don't need to spend more money. Um, I don't need a car. You know, um, at the time, I didn't have any, um, you know, significant others or kids or whatnot. So I said, like, what would you do with it? And he commented, well, if I had this money, I'd buy an investment property. I'm like, oh, tell me more. And uh, he says, well, I went to the University of Western Ontario. I would buy a student rental at Western, uh, the University of Western Ontario. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, then it just got the wheels going. Mm-hmm. And, I keep, and I thought to myself, well, I went to Mac in Hamilton. And I thought to myself, I could easily buy a house there with this money, according to the, you know, the mortgage broker. Yep. And he basically said, yeah, you could pretty much put a down payment or two on two houses and um you know fill it with with students and then it just started clicking i'm like well i've got the money for the house you know i work with students so it's like i'm comfortable working with students i know he said like that's not for everybody and just like anything else there's different strategies different ways of making money in the same type of field and some people were not you know comfortable working with students i was you know, I literally worked with grad students who were graduating to go on to university. So it just felt like it was a, a good fit for myself, mm-hmm. right? Instead of maybe a single family home to a family or a, a multi-family residence and so on, it felt like a student rental was for me. Mm-hmm. And when you went, okay, so after hearing about this guy, which shout out to this banker, whoever this yeah, young lad yeah. was, because you don't hear that very often, yeah, yeah. right? Well, he probably wanted me to open up a mortgage account. Yeah. So, okay. okay, smart kid, smart kid. So you helped him. Um, so then, not knowing anything about real estate, you hear this bug. Yeah. Do you go out and buy something right away on your own, or do you like how? How does someone that just hears this, like, how, what was the next step? What did you do afterwards? Like, well, so I, I I was renewing in sometime in the spring, and I can't remember if it was if it was February, March. Maybe it was even as late as April, but I just remember I'm like, oh my god, like, I gotta find out more about this. And yeah. at that time, like, you know, the the web was there, YouTube wasn't as established as it is now with a thousand videos out mm-hmm. there. Podcasts yeah. like yourself, um, like the Everyday Rich, isn't wasn't available to listen to. See, this is why <laughs> this is why he's great. Nice plug. <laughs> Okay, what year, um, what year was this, just approximately? Uh, this was probably 2010, 2011, af- just after the 2008 crash. Oh, okay. So, so this is, all right, this is a while back. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's been I, – I, I believe I celebrated 12 years of investing this past year. So, yeah, it, it, it's been a – I don't have the horn feature on my yeah. thing. So, but that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. 
So you Ron edited that in. Yeah. <laughs> Ron started when he was 15. Okay. We work his age back. <laughs> so, okay. That's, that's so awesome. So 2010, just after the crash, so real estate yeah. prices were probably really attractive. You go down the interweb. Yeah. Who do you find? Is it someone that did you? Well, it's funny. Like, again, I didn't have a lot of resources back okay. then. And so I knew a couple of colleagues who I worked with um, who was renting their basement to students. So I picked yeah. his brain. Okay. And then I had another colleague whose father was a real estate agent in Hamilton, yeah. which all worked out because I was like, okay, look, I need to talk to your dad and, and get from there. And, and so the one thing that I, I did right away was like put the wheels in motion. I need to absorb as much information as I can. And being the newbie to this space was very daunting. Yeah. And, you know, if I had to go back, I would say do a lot of things differently. Like like what? Well, I think I would have probably worked with someone with more of a real estate background okay. in, in an agent. Um, not that they were bad for what I was doing, but I need someone with this who who's done it before. Like investor-focused or? Yeah, investor-focused, okay. student-rental-focused. Okay. You know, like they were... It was he was a good guy, um, helped me get my first property that I still maintain today. But I think when I it came to expanding my portfolio after that first one, I needed more guidance. And at the time, we didn't have all these coaching yeah. opportunities that we have today. We didn't have these podcasts, YouTube videos, or whatever accessible. So I needed to work with someone with a little bit more hands-on uh, of the space that I wanted to get into. So that was the first thing. Two, I probably would have gotten a mentor or a coach, someone that I could just pick their brain every other day mm -hmm. if I had needed, if I had a question. You know, what do you do if this happens? What do you do if that happens? You know, all sorts of things. And um, so basically, I was starting like I was learning right off what I was teaching myself. And you know, I as much as you know, I'd like to think I'm a smart guy. Uh, it's really other people who make me look smart because yeah. I just follow what they do. Yeah. And um, so I, those are things that I would have probably gone differently yeah. or done differently back then um, if I were to start again or if I were to tell someone this is what you got to do. Okay. Right. So then uh, did you go all into student rentals, those first few properties? Yeah. 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 It was uh, – I think I had probably had – three or four within the first two and a half years. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And um, they were all student properties just because, again, like I said, I was very comfortable with yep. the student space, um, the relationships I can build with students based on, you know, my job. Yep. And uh, I knew what they were looking for. I was actually a guidance counselor at that time, so okay. I kind of knew what – you know, pro what schools offer what programs and if the kids were coming to me and saying, hey, I have a I'm in nursing or engineering, what kind of engineering? Like we, I know engineers are, are party animals. So what kind of what are what? you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> we don't party at all. All we do is study. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I just kind of had that relationship with students in my own building yeah. at my school. So I could sort of just translate like the communication, the interpersonal skills that I developed. Uh, into real estate, basically. See, Ron Ron was really actually just building a Ponzi scheme because he yeah. had a big funnel of students that were like, oh, you're going to Mac? All right, well, I got the place just for you. <sighs> you know what? My first property I filled it with, well, I didn't, first property I filled it with uh, six students, but th they were all graduating. Mm. 
The following year, I filled it with student with a couple of students I knew from my school, just because they were looking and yeah. they knew I was in the space. And um, the years after, I had a, a few students where they stayed in, in my property. So yeah. it wasn't so much a Ponzi scheme; it was more of a, <laughs> you know, a tr- I trust you, like their parents trusted me to to provide a good place. For he them. created a funnel, and I, I, I think <laughs> that's a cool thing is that if a lot of us go through our day to day of nine to five and a lot of us may not realize how much leverage we can use from the skills and the relationships that we we build from our, our nine to five. I know in the entrepreneurial space, because you're mentioning like entrepreneurial, yeah. which we'll, we'll go on to next is this whole thing of, okay, well you work a nine to five, yeah. all you have is your nine to five. Yeah. But really, if you tap into that, mm-hmm. you can leverage so many different aspects of that from your relationships to your resources to exactly what Ron did. Ron, yeah. Ron knew the system, knows the potential clients, tenants coming in yeah. and leverage that. So I, I would implore a lot of people to look outside the box <coughs> within their box. Yeah. Right? You, you, yes, you're in the confines of entrepreneurship, yeah. but how can you really use that to your advantage? And like you did really well. So, um, yeah, I, I think what I did was I leveraged what I knew and what I did well yeah. into a different space. And so, <clears throat> you know, when I taught careers, we call this transferable skills, Yeah, right? Things like, you know, leadership, communication, interpersonal. These can transfer into the workplace, into the home life, into, um, you know, anything that you, you're doing. And I think what I did was I leveraged the skills that I learned through my job as an educator into the realm of real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've talked to other people, especially when they're starting out, is what are you good at? Mm-hmm. What can you leverage that you're good at into investing, and how can you how can you do it and do well at it? Yeah. And so that's that's what I did. I mean, like again, I worked not only with students but their parents, and so there had to be a trust of, hey, you know, Ron as the educator was a great guy. How is Ron as the landlord, <laughs> right? And so I mean, I'd like to say I have a. A 90% positive review of my students who read from me, um, higher as an ed- as an educator, yeah, yeah. hopefully. Uh, but, you know, y- you just got to leverage what you know mm-hmm. into something that you can do in different spaces. Yeah. And uh, I was able to do that early in my career as an investor. And, uh, you know, it paid off. Like, you know, I haven't bought a house in several years. I think those first three or four years that I got into investing, I realized I don't need more than, than I have now. And I guess I should probably should have looked at more, but I was comfortable where I was right. My last investment property, which took me to five properties, um, was a former student of mine who I coached as well, uh, needed a place to stay. And so I, you know, not convinced him, but I said, listen, if you, if you need a place to stay, I'll buy the house. You rent it from me. You are the person who's going to fill it for me for the next four years that you're at this university. And I didn't have to fill it once. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And so I leveraged my relationships with the people I worked with. um, And I was able to manufacture a situation that worked out for both of us. He got a good deal on rent. Mm -hmm. I got a house that was filled for five years 
and you know fairly you know the the value of the home uh, rose during those four or five years that i had it so it worked out for everybody i don't i want to add some context to color commentary to what <coughs> you're just mentioning to someone that might be listening here and really wondering holy crap how does someone go for five but you also yeah. mentioned this thing about i could have yep. bought more yep the key thing is could have should have would have mm-hmm. yep but really it's it's around it wrapped around what ron's goals were mm-hmm. and right now his family right yep. so these things change and we live into this space where if you're on social media and you follow the real estate stock market or whatever mm-hmm. real, real estate circle it's all about buy 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 how many doors do you have how hey ron first yep. how many doors do you have <laughs> what uh i okay <laughs> like, yeah that doesn't matter. What matters is what the doors are doing for you. How many doors do you need, mm-hmm. right? Versus me comparing about, well, he's got 12 doors. I have six. Oh, no. It's not doing right. really good for me. Yeah. One property can change someone's life. Five, obviously, mm-hmm. a little bit more. But does adding six, seven, eight, nine, ten make a huge difference for Ron? We don't know. Only Ron can answer yeah. And that's the thing where if you're listening to this is that you need to ask yourself the why. Why would you need more? Mm -hmm. And how, if adding more, does that change your life to another everyday rich, your new everyday rich? So just please be cognizant of that because I think we're in this society where it just it spews so much Kool-Aid for you to just buy without realizing, do I need to buy all this? Because I know people that have four properties. Yep. They're all paid off. Yep. And they're like, they all cash flow $3,000 a month. What yep. do I need more for? Yep. I get 12 grand mm-hmm. of cash, cash flow. Yeah. You know, when I first started, I had this round number of 10 properties. Yep. And I think when we, when you start out, you're like, Hey, I can, you know, you get a couple and you're like, yeah, 10 seems realistic at some point. When I got to four and then the fifth one came along I was doing all the work. I didn't hire a property manager. This was just like work ethic from that I learned from my parents. Like if you could do it yourself, why would you outsource it? Right. Sure. And at the time, again, I didn't have family that I had to be around. Right. To look after. So I, I had, you know, weekends after school summers where I could focus on those properties and really like, you know, take care of it. And, uh, what the fifth one told me is, was like, you know, I don't need more than what I have now, right? Like all of them were cash flowing well. Um, and I didn't need more than what I was earning back then with five properties as opposed to 10 properties. Yeah, 10 properties would have been great because I would have probably had more money. But at the same time, then you got to think about what kind of life are you going to live, mm-hmm. right? And I don't want to sp- – I already spent a good chunk of my time looking after these four or five properties that I had. It would like have another four or five would have meant like more time away from what I wanted to do, which was, you know, maybe take some road trips, maybe hang out with family and friends. Maybe it was doing a hobby that a passion hobby that I wanted. It would just take away from all of that. And I was comfortable with the five. And I think when we get into this rabbit hole of like, I got to build my empire. For what? Mm-hmm. And I think. That goes to your philosophy, the everyday rich. I was everyday rich with five properties, with even four. The fifth one just happened to be 
former student calls me up and says, hey, I'm moving back. Do you have a place to stay? And I say, well, you know what? I, I don't, but let's look for it. And so the, the opportunity was there. And I just felt that my everyday rich didn't encompass, you know, Lamborghinis and, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, multiple trips through, you know, uh, throughout the year and so on. I just wanted to live comfortably without n- having to worry about, you know, the next paycheck's going to pay to mm-hmm. this and pay to that. And, you know, you know, I just didn't want to be in that space that my parents, I felt growing up, had to go through. Yeah. And so my ch- upbringing, I knew that they'd gone through that. I didn't want to go-, go through that. I wasn't going through that. So, I didn't need to do more than that. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe it costed me some, some more wealth down the line, but like I, I could happily say I've, there's not one thing I would regret. I would go back and do again, aside from a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. There's man, there's so much, but I will. Okay. I want to, I want to take something you, uh, you mentioned, which was you, you leveraged, the skills that you had from your teaching and mm-hmm. you leveraged skills from just outside of things to apply to a lot of different things. And at some point you started leveraging your skills and say, Hey, you know, real estate's good. The stock market thing's kind of interesting. And you went down the rabbit hole of getting to the stock market specifically with trading. Mm-hmm. How did you get into trading? Like what same with the, with the real estate, what led you down? Because now you have five properties and you're like, hey, this is, seems pretty pretty good. You got a great job, whatnot. And you're kind of building that, you know, your mini empire right now. Why would Ron, the successful person that has, you know, he's developed his everyday rich so far, mm-hmm. want to venture into something so risky like stock market in the trading? I've always had a curiosity about it. And I remember in, in university, um, my first foray into s- the stock market was um, reading a little bit about it. And then I took a road trip in the summer out east. And I remember to myself um, that I had to buy this one stock that everyone kept saying it was going to go to the moon. And I said to myself, so I pulled over. Uh, I had opened an account before this road trip. I, and I had put money in, but I never actually bought a stock. Yeah. And I remember I pulled over into a local library, opened up, you know, the dial up internet <laughs> and you can hear it just dialing up. And now I'm all of a sudden in my, um, my broker account and I'm, I'm ready to buy, you know, I don't know how many shares, but I had $5,000 worth of money in there. So I bought as much as I could and I went on my trip. I didn't think about it. And then probably a year later, like I, you know, I, I, I look at it. Yeah. It kept just going down. And I, at some point I was just like, I was disinterested because I, di- I didn't know what to do again. Like the resources back then weren't uh, readily available to you. You actually had to go speak to people and you know, I just didn't do that. And uh, so I gave up on it at that time because uh, it wasn't profitable for do you, me. Do you remember what ticker this was? Man, I wish I could remember everything about that that stock that I invested in, but I tried to look at, you know, past reports and so on that I that I had, which I don't uh, anymore. 
And I know I, I can't remember it. I knew it was a tech stock, like an up and coming tech stock, because everyone's going to say it's going to go to the moon. This is the next revolutionary, whatever. And, uh, you know, I believe the hype instead of doing my work. And so um, a few years ago, uh, pre pandemic, just before the pandemic, uh, I had an op- another opportunity and uh, I went w- into the stock market uh, course uh, because it was being hosted by someone I had known and trusted mm. wasn't going to mislead me. Because yep. you see a lot. Like when you open up your, you know, even YouTube, you can see the algorithms are going yeah. to work and they're trying to sell you courses on stocks and so on. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. Three free skip, stocks skip if, you, if you join Rebull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I I, I, I I went with someone that I trusted. Yep. Um he was putting on a course with other people and uh, it was one of those things where I could happily say uh, elevated my game mm-hmm. in, in terms of investing and wealth creation uh, another notch. And um, yeah, well, this is almost the same thing about um, <coughs> mentoring, right? Yep. The, we know this person mutually. So yep. it's the same thing I started out with as well into the trading realm. Yep. But then you're like saying, okay, well, you know what? They're, they're looking into this. Let me take a look into this. And you got into this, yeah. right? But and not at first. I'll, I'll be honest. Okay. I was very hesitant because, again, I, it wasn't because I was afraid of the stock market. I was just afraid of, like, there's other ways of buying and selling stocks, buying, holding, and selling stocks. Yeah. Like, options was completely new to me. And so I was like, what is that? Mm. And so I, I hesitated at first. Um, the friend I'm talking about was someone I trusted in real estate, yep. uh, and he's an entrepreneur, uh, Erwin Zito. Um, shout out to Erwin. Yeah, big shout out to him. Uh, helped elevate and my my whole entire financial game um, just by listening to him. Anyways, he put on a course and he invited me out to the beta course, which yep. was like, you know, the uh, um, pre-opening yep. before the grand opening. Yeah, I was supposed to go to that one. Oh, were you? Yeah, okay. I yeah. had to go to a trip, so I, ca- I got yeah. to cancel it. So. My wife was pregnant at the time, so I couldn't sp- literally – it was the weekend before my wife was supposed to give birth to our uh, our first daughter. Uh, and um, spending a whole weekend in a course knowing that she could go at any minute wasn't ideal. So yeah. when he did have the grand opening um, a few months after – I made sure to attend that one, but I was hesitant. Yeah, because yeah. I di- I didn't know much about it, and you know. Yeah, and it's not often that where I think people just pick up and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to get into the stock trading, let yeah. alone stock investing," and then d- dial it up a notch and say, "I'm going to get right into options." Yes, which was the riskiest part of what the stock market is if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and and I had no clue. Exactly, and I want to precursor that like if you've never done options before. Do not put go to the options right away with a lot of money. So just take that with a grain of salt, or do it blindly. Yes, right. Like yes. that's the important thing. If you if you if you can go into it knowing what it's all about, mm-hmm. and you have a good risk reward approach to it, just like buying and selling, then I think you could be fine. But having said that, I would say learn the market first. Okay. So there's these. I would say more easier <coughs> uh basic concepts that you learn that we all all learn together yeah and you eventually start i would say seeing some success right some consistency in that 
and um the market was absolutely hot in that time right mm-hmm. it just this bull cycle from covid that just it felt like you were before mentioning that years before that to the moon right like yep. we we're already riding yep. that yep the covid was just a blip but everything seemed like it couldn't fall right mm-hmm. everything we, every trade we went into it was just like i can't lose right. i can't lose yeah and i know there was a period in your time where um it it started doing really well and then there was a there was a moment where you caught something that was amazing right yeah and i won't mention going into the details here but because you you immersed yourself it, it was like did you immerse yourself into this i did yeah. you know what like once I got into real estate investing, I immersed myself in that yeah. while I had it. And then I realized this is all I need from real estate. When the stock trading came up or the stock market came came up, I said to myself, this could be the you know, the diversity I'm looking for yeah. when it comes to investing. Uh, and when you hear people talk about, you know, wealthy people, people who have made money, you know, real estate, the stock market are two things that they venture into Absolutely. along with, you know, having businesses of your own. Um, so you're creating that multiple uh, income stream. Yeah. And so I wanted to do that. Yeah. And you know what? Stock markets, you don't deal with tenants. Yeah. You don't deal with the headaches that go along with being a landlord uh, of a property. So I thought to myself, I'm going to immerse myself in these first couple of years and see what I can do. And so I, I, I would say that I've you know, been okay at it, yeah. been good at it these last few years and just hoping that you know, I can turn my experience these last few years into, you know, many more successful years. I, I, I would say here, let me ask it this way. In the past few years, would you <coughs> say the successes you had, some of these wins are life-changing? 100%. Okay. I think you have to take that step, like in anything else that you're going to do, uh, and know the risk reward to it. Yeah. I knew the risk was going to be potentially losing money. Mm-hmm. You know how much that will be dependent on me. But I also knew the reward, kind of like re- real estate, would provide me uh, with more financial wealth, and freedom that I was looking for on top of you know just having the real estate. Yeah. And um, yeah, like the risk reward. Like once you go into something, you. You have to weigh the risk reward for your own self and those you, you know, obviously uh, look after as well. Yeah. And that's a key thing, too, is that when you get into trading, it's very different than investing. So Mm. I know a lot of investors got into the trading world right around COVID because there was nothing to do. And there's a lot of these. Um, Well, these courses were pumping out. Absolutely. Like the advertisement, the word of mouth. And you know what? Like. I get it. Like at that time, like you said, you 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 couldn't lose on a trade, uh, especially if you're doing options. You know, it drew more people in. Um, you know, people were making money hand over fist. Like you could close your eyes, throw a dart on that dartboard, and you'd be <laughs> successful in a, whatever trade you got into. Yeah. And I was, and I, you know what? I'll be honest. That was a lot of of my success as well, on top of the additional work that I did. Yeah, and uh, I I, d- I do want to say this is that regardless of if you're in a bull cycle or bear cycle and whatnot, the thing is that you immerse yourself and you really kind of put yourself head first. And you just said, you know what? I've learned this about real estate. I can apply the same mentality of learning about this instrument 
whether it was options or the stock or just straight out stocks or whatever, yeah. it was about how do I go about doing this, the action of trading, let alone just buy hold. Because mm-hmm. now you've learned how to trade. Mm-hmm. You know how to buy stocks. It teaches you, well, I can buy the stock and just yeah. leave it there. Yeah. But then it also gives you this level of flexibility and freedom where, like you said, you don't have to deal with tenants. Yep. You don't have to deal with angry parents or anything like that, a roof breaking. All you got to deal with is a good internet connection and a, and a computer anywhere in the world. Right. And I remember, so uh, a few years ago after uh, meeting with Ron through this network and we started going down this rabbit hole of, mm-hmm. of trading, you know, I, I, there'd be days where we'd be both talking to each other and be like, oh, did you take that Tesla trade? I remember this one time I was talking, we were, we were looking at something. I was like, oh, this Tesla setup is looking good. And you're like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And this guy was at the movies with his kids. Yeah. <laughs> and he just made like 800 bucks <laughs> off of a Tesla trade in five minutes. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? It, uh, for me, I didn't even see it. I just saw it. I wasn't even playing it. But the, you know, Ron being work, he was so immersed in it and just took it, made it. Yeah. And that's the thing where I think a lot of us is that if you're going to go down a rabbit hole, yeah. commit to it. Put a lot of your energy into it and say, you know what, I'm going to learn as much as I can. Win, lose, yeah. whatever. I'm just going to learn because yeah. I need to be able to figure out, can I do this? Because yeah. a lot of people will say, don't do it. Yeah. You're going to lose all your money, yeah. which fine, that's okay. Yeah. But you're going to come out of this potentially with this life-changing skill yeah. Yeah. that you never heard of yeah. until obviously recently. Yeah, I think that story that you highlighted about you know um, taking that Tesla trade, a couple things. One, I think when you surround yourself with the right people that you can trust, they make your net worth bigger. And it, maybe not in money value, but just in in in, in knowledge, in trust. Uh, because I know when you know when you mentioned that, I knew you 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 did your work, your homework, on the trade. And you know I was at the mall, not the movies, oh, okay, with my okay. daughters. I remember that trade as well. I was uh, we were seeing the Grinch, at one of the malls, <laughs> which my daughters love, yeah. uh, which is you know uh, funny uh, altogether. But I remember looking on my phone, and again, I, I rarely trade from my phone these days. Yeah. But at that time, I, I did a little bit. And when you said it, I was like, oh, the ch- chart looks pretty good. I'm going to get into it. Yeah. And you're right. Like, and so my trust in you, in your vision, in what you saw, allowed me to be confident in going into a position. It's just like you say, hey, I saw this house down the street. And got great fundamentals. The numbers work. And you hear stories where buyers would just buy a house without even stepping on the property. Yeah. That was the same thing with me in that Tesla trade with you. Yeah. Like, I trusted you because you've done – you do your work on, you know, setups and charts and stocks and so on that I knew my risk-reward is what it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, and the thing is uh, what Ron was able to – thank you for that. It actually goes the other way. Ron Ron also leveraged part of this, his teaching ability, his education uh, educator um, skill, yeah. his superpower, <laughs> and really kind of just started this this little convo that with between other people that were interested in trading. Yeah. And it was all about not like, okay, well, how much you – know, obviously, how much money can we all make? But, like, how can we teach each other? Because, yeah. like, Ron sees things differently on a chart. Right. I see it differently. Yeah. Our 
our trading mentor, I would say our trading mentor yeah. sees things completely out of the out well, of this world. Well, when you have 20 years of experience, trading experience, it, yeah, yeah, it helps. <laughs> and but the thing is, is that all these people, when it like you know, at sometimes you're like, okay, why don't you tell everyone what you're seeing? Yeah, right. You like yeah. put me in a really a tough spot of like, yeah. okay, well, what are you seeing? Explain it. You know, I I firmly believe that you know it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Um, I think when you have a number of people contributing to the growth of any one individual makes that one individual stronger because they're able to absorb different perspectives. Uh, and that's what I tried to do. Um, haven't done it recently, but um, I tried to hold a weekly, you know, uh, chart uh, reading setup yep. situation where we jump on a zoom call uh, and for a couple hours, we would go through stocks, we would go through strategies, we would go through, and you know, teaching it helped me learn and reinforce what I believed in as well, right? Like, if you were to ask me to, to you know, teach a curriculum document, I could, mm-hmm. um, and by teaching it, I'd learn the material just as much as the students would because it would reinforce what I already knew, maybe it would add on some, some different perspectives that I know, so by by doing that, it allowed me to teach myself yeah. again and reinforce my knowledge of what I was sharing with you guys, and vice versa. Like I remember again, we shared different perspectives, and I think having different different perspectives is good because the stock market, the real estate, you know, um, any other investment opportunities has different perspectives, and you want to know what other people are seeing. Yeah along with what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And if now that you've kind of done all these things, right, you've, you've taken all these things and you yeah. really found kind of like what you really enjoy. I, yeah. I would say you, you figured out what you really enjoy, what yeah. works for you, what yeah. fits your yeah. everyday rich. If someone wants to basically go into stock options or real estate or trading, yeah. what's the first piece of advice you would give someone? I, I'd say find... Um, a well-respected mentor, coach, um, person that you could just seek out the basic answers, right? And from there, just find out as much as you can know. And let's be honest, the University of YouTube is a fantastic place to start. Um, You know, there's a lot of videos out there on different things. I know my my wife comes down uh, in the middle uh, after the kids go to sleep and she watches me. She sees me watching YouTube videos on lawns, like and different lawns and how to do it. It's just it's hilarious because she just like this is like like the standard for me every yeah. night because I I'm watching. So you can watch on any subject. So stock market, different strategies, real estate, different strategies for that. You can find it all on the internet nowadays. But at some point, how do you filter out the noise, Ron? Like, how, how do you filter out? Because the lawn is one thing. Lawn yep. is like, you know yep. what? I'll throw a bunch of stuff on my yep. my grass. I'm okay if it dies. Yeah. Yep. But you know what? When I start throwing money around, yep. I may not be okay with losing my money. Yep. So how do you filter that? Well, I think you got to immerse yourself in that space. Yeah. And then from your knowledge, from what you've absorbed, you're going to be seeing what you can filter out to begin with. What's yeah. what's going to work, what's not going to work for you. Then it goes to, again, having someone to rely on, a coach, a mentor, to really talk about you know, some of the, the answers that you're looking for uh, when it comes to the big questions, right? Yeah. And you know, 
that means how do I get started? Yeah. W- where does the money come from? You know, what, what is, how can I get from where I am now to where you are at that time? Yeah. And it's often, you know, a turtle race. Yeah. And it's a marathon. You don't want to race. You don't want to sprint through this. You want to take your time. And I think a lot of people just want to make that almighty dollar instantly yep. or million yep. in this case, right? Yep. And I think you got to look at, you know, where you are and where you want to be. How you get there is just as important as getting there. Well said, well said. So then um, as we kind of wrap this up and get closer here, um, there's a little segment that I like to, Jen and I like to to do here. This Um, is like a rapid fire situation? Kind of, but uh, a bit more fun. Okay, fair. All right. So our crazy rich Asians and everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay segment okay um so i know basketball is one of your <coughs> i would say passions you, yeah you enjoy that you coach yep. you, did you play before nope okay. I, I believe it or not i did not enjoy playing because i would look at the game through a coach's lens yeah. and get pissed off at people <laughs> i was playing with coach popovich right yeah, here <laughs> and doing it so i'd rather be just like pissed off at people i'm coaching at instead of playing with even a pickup game i'm competitive by nature yeah and I just remember just I hate playing with people who don't know what they're doing. Okay, and that was yeah. – and, that and you know, I, I could have done it – I could have played better and not hide my frustration yeah. so well. Uh, you can talk to Ashley. We played dodgeball, um, trampoline dodgeball with some f- friends of ours, and I got so mad at her so many <laughs> times because she cause – because she, she wasn't as competitive as I was. So suffice to say – it was quiet drives home after those <laughs> those games. <laughs> I I can totally relate to you too because Jen's like, hey, maybe we can go golf together, right? And I'm like, they could, but I don't want to file for divorce papers. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, I love you. I love you, but I don't love you that much. So yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I'm competitive as well with sports. Yeah. It's just like ah, I don't know if I could go through yeah, that with you. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, cool. So, um, greatest Raptor of all time. Raptor? Greatest Toronto Raptor of all time. Uh, you got to go with Kalo, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry? I think uh, he's been a great ambassador for the Raps. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with him as your, your groat, mm. your greatest groat. Raptor of all time. Shout out to Kyle Lowry. Yep. Um, hopefully he signs a one-day contract when he retires. He will. Oh, uh, yeah. He's already said it, but I have no doubt that he will. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, if you had, if you had to, okay, minivan or a big SUV, because I know you're looking into something oh, like this. Oh yeah, we are. <laughs> I'm into the space where I'm mentally preparing my wife to drive a minivan, and she loves any, anything but a minivan. So I'm gonna go with a big SUV, but for purposes of family, expanding families. And space, a minivan is the the way to go. I know. So I'm with Ashley. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know what? It ruins the vibe. It does. And I'm like, have you ever driven a van before? I, I grew up in a van. Same here. I grew up in a van. My my Same dad dro- drove a Ford Windstar for many years. <laughs> the Windstar, yes. Or an Aerostar. And I just remember those vans were all the funniest times yeah. I had. You, All the the trouble, the fun, the games, the fun you would have in the back seats. With your brothers on the way to like wherever, 
or friends. It was great. You know, okay, so I took a road trip once in the vans. Yeah. And you know the third row sometimes could yeah. slide out or yeah. get taken out? Yeah, yeah. We slid the whole row up. And my brother and I and, like, uh, maybe a cousin or something or a friend, we were in the back, the yeah. back area yeah. playing yeah. with toys while we're driving. I know. Like, this is unheard of. You're driving and you're not even you're not even yeah. belted in a in a seat. We're just on yeah, the floor. Yeah, back then it was a little bit more yeah, yeah, sus. Wow, wow, west. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sus. <laughs> yeah, you could get away with if you yeah. unbuckled seats <laughs> there. We should have buckled them in. <laughs> all right, all right. <clears throat> okay. Um, recently, there's um, a lot of uh, comedians that have come out okay. uh, and have highlighted some Filipino culture, mm-hmm. uh, and you might know who I'm talking about, but. Have you ever used a tablet? Yes. Oh, okay. Growing up. So uh, what's a tablet, uh, Ron? Well, let's just put it this way. If you ever see a cup in a bathroom of a Filipino-owned house next to the toilet, I would highly suggest you don't drink from it. <laughs> or put it that or rinse your mouth with it. Or rinse your – just the only thing that should be touching it or the water in it is your hands, and after that, you wash your hands like you do anything else. You do your business. So that's basically the Filipino de- uh, bidet, okay? Yes. That's yeah. what it is. It's ass. It's an ass washing cup. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. A few more. All right. You're not a breakfast guy. Okay. Nope. I, I understand you're not a nope. breakfast guy. But if you had to pick, okay, McDonald's sausage egg McMuffin, Oof. or Filipino Tocino or Longanisa. Oh, I guess it depends on the situation. Like, I'm going to be honest. If I had rice the night before, a sausage McMuffin would probably be hit the spot. But nothing beats a tocino with rice in the morning sometimes. I remember, I, I again, here's me storytelling. But I don't know, please, please. I went to uh, the Philippines, and uh, I wasn't a breakfast person, again, like you mentioned. And so me and my family would sit down, and they would eat, and... They ordered tocino uh, with rice, and it looked so delicious. And I remember, I'm like, that looks good. So I ordered. I must have ordered. And there were smaller portions, but I must have ordered three of them. And I was like, this is the best ever. And, again, it's like 8 a.m. in the morning. I don't want to eat. I'm not. like, And the reason why is because I normally had a late dinner. Yeah. So I'm not hungry. But, like, yeah, it's, it's situational. Okay. Not gonna lie, right. yeah, situational. Right. I'm sure it tastes so much better being oh, in the Philippines yeah. than yeah, it is the yeah. stuff you get yeah, here. It was so. good. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 If you had to coach any professional sports team, yeah. which sport would you coach, and which team would you coach? Interesting. I wouldn't go into basketball because I feel like I I know the space well enough that I'm like, you know what, I want to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, I'd love to learn about football. Like the American football. American football, okay. Yeah, and I'm not a big football fan uh, to begin with. Like, I'll watch some games if it's on TV. There's but so many rules. I know. Uh, but for me, I think I would love to learn it at the collegiate level. Okay. Just because, um, you know, like any other business, you've got departments, you've got different coaching staffs, you've got different realities, how they put things together, how they, um, you know, work with their players. It's kind of like a business, and I think, you know, like any other sport, I'm sure, uh, they operate sometimes in silos so they could 
do their job better. So the special teams work with special teams. The defense work, or the linemen on the uh, on the defensive end work together, mm-hmm. and they have special meetings. So having all of these departments go separately and then come back and play together, it's, it's mind-blowing. Right. And then you add on school on top of that. How are they able to manage them? How are they able to manage, you know, the – the noise outside of football when it comes to school and friends and parties and all that stuff. Like I think I would love to learn it from that end just because I think there's something to be that I can transfer from that scenario into my daily work or my investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool. All right. Last one. Okay. <clears throat> so diagonal lines, vertical oh. or horizontal lines on the lawn. Diamonds on the grass. Diamonds. Diamonds on the grass. I, I actually before this, I, I put some, uh, some lines, some stripes <laughs> on my grass as before the, the, the heat of the day came and stressed it out. So, diamonds horizontally one way. Oh, sorry, uh, ver- um, diagonally one way, diagonally the other way. See, this is what happens when you go down the YouTube rabbit hole yes. of lawn care. Yep. And then we text each other about. The type of fertilizer and law and lines. Yeah. It's like this yeah. is so nerdy. Like yeah. Jen's like, you guys are nerds. I'm yeah, like, I yeah. know, I know. Uh, uh, Ashley would laugh at me, or she she shake her head, and then I'm sure she laughs it internally. But I know she's uh, happy about my my, you know, outside of oh, yeah. family life activities. I'm not. I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be doing. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And it goes back to this is Ron's creating his everyday rich, right? Yep. And hopefully the journey and stories that Ron shared today about his his upbringing, his foray into real estate, and then taking that and using his knowledge to look into, I'm going to say, the, the stock market, which has been life-changing for him, yep. to now playing with his lawn, is – you create your journey and you have to start somewhere and Ron started somewhere just like a lot of people. And you might yeah. not realize, like, I don't know where to start, but there's so many places. And hopefully this is one of those living room conversations that you could take and ask yourself some questions yeah. about like, okay, what can I do to put myself in a position to live my everyday rich yeah. or live an everyday rich that you want to. So if it's been helpful to you, if you've found this, that, you know, it, gave you some clarity or whatever maybe it didn't i don't know it doesn't matter like subscribe help us by sharing it um because then hopefully those conversations really empower you to do the best you can with your journey um ron is there i know you're not a big social media guy but we won't post it if you don't want to Um, go for it okay (laughs) all right so where can we find you on social media uh well i have a instagram and twitter account i don't know it off my hand okay we'll figure it out we'll find it maybe you'll post it on one of the things but uh like you mentioned learning never stops Mm -hmm. and then for and for me i'm like you know how can i how can i make my situation better and you know it went from teaching to real estate to uh stock market and now i'm going into this world of infinite banking where i'm like trying to create generational wealth. I'm not just creating wealth for myself now. I'm thinking 20, 30 30 years from now when my kids could use that money uh, from the work I do now. So this is like, I'm thinking long-term now. Just like if you were to start out with anything, I'm immersing myself into that world. I'm actually uh, looking to get my license as an agent as well. 
All right, then. This might be a part two later <laughs> on with Infinite Banking and Ron Estelle. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you very much. Appreciate you joining. Um, this was really fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. And let's, uh, I don't know, let's go have some lunch. I don't know. We, but <laughs> everyone, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jen, Jen would love to be here, um, but she'll watch the replay. You can have your chair back, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a new ass print on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. Peace. Your Everyday Rich podcast is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. Any such information or other material should not be construed as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a qualified professional.